My name is Pedro Mujabafid, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns, and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now, the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement, or other person. All right, let's start the show. Hey everyone, with us today we have Dr. Belinda Hibble, who is an emergency consultant in Geelong and is also a past MUMIS president. One of the key themes for today's interview will be around the follow-on effects from doing extracurricular work in university. If you'd like an episode purely focused on emergency medicine as a specialty, please check out episode 10 with Dr. Farhat Zarei. Welcome to the show, Belinda. Thanks so much, Pedro. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey from medical student to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I graduated from um, Monash University in 2007 after completing my undergraduate um, MBBS there. Uh, And I worked as an intern at Southern Health in Victoria for uh, 12 months before uh, returning back uh, to where I'd um, grown up uh, down on the Ballerine Peninsula and obtaining a HMO position in Geelong, um, doing uh, 12 months of medical placements. Um, And then I um, decided that I wanted to study emergency medicine uh, as a postgraduate uh, and so then uh, entered resi- uh, registrar training at that point and um, spent probably about two-thirds of my time at, um, at Geelong Hospital uh, and then also returned to Melbourne to complete some time uh, at Royal Melbourne and Royal Women's Hospital and also with Adult Retrieval Victoria before finally obtaining my fellowship in 2007. How many years 2007. out were you? No, hang on, 2015, sorry. <laughs> Uh, so, how many years out were you when you first started your emergency physician training? Uh, yeah, so I was a HMO3 when I first started um, as an ED registrar in the training program. Uh, okay, sure. And have you worked in Geelong ever since, ever since obtaining your fellowship? I have, yeah, yeah. So, I secured consultant positions between um, uh, Geelong Hospital, so the public hospital, and also one of the local private hospitals, St John of God, Geelong, who newly opened an emergency department in 2014. Um, so I worked between the two and have worked there ever since. Great. And when did you decide emergency was the specialty for you? Yeah, it was in the second half of my HMO2 year. So I'd uh, I'd completed an intern placement up in Melbourne um, and, and worked in the emergency department and not particularly enjoyed it and thought that I was going to embark more on the line of physician training. I'd had some mentors in the first half of HMO2 that um, really resonated with me that were in the physician training program. Um, but uh, I reluctantly returned and did an organised ED placement in the second half of HMO2 uh, and absolutely loved it and surprised myself and ended up um, organising to to do uh, an ED reg job the following year and pretty quickly at that point then suddenly decided that that's definitely what I wanted to do and, and got started studying for my exams. 
what compelled you to do another emergency rotation when you kind of didn't like it in the first place? Yeah, uh, it was something that was um, sort of allocated to me actually. So it ended up happening a bit by accident. Um, everybody that was all the majority of people that were doing a medical year at Geelong that year were required to do an emergency placement uh, again. And I was a bit hesitant, but I was sort of, um, I spoke to a few people uh, that had sort of been in a similar position and they all felt that the extra time in emergency would be helpful regardless just to sort of improve my primary history and examination skills, yep. uh, regardless of which direction I took um, and that it might feel very different to my time as an intern because I would feel a little bit more confident and a little bit more competent and, and therefore might be able to relax and enjoy it a bit more. And that's sort of exactly what ended up happening in the end. And what, what, what is it about ED that you loved so much? Yeah, so I have a pretty short attention span. Uh, and so I really, really love doing lots and lots and lots of different things in a single day. Um, and I enjoy um, multitasking and trying to sort of prioritise things and keeping really busy. Um, I also just really like the social nature of it. I really, really enjoy being surrounded by lots of staff, working in a team environment, which is something that I'd done a lot sort of outside of medicine before uh, and so um, that really that really resonated with me and that sort of helped me really enjoy it um, and I also still also like being able to switch off when I walk out and move on from that shift and then come back and sort of have a fresh start the following day. And was there anything else that you kind of considered but decided not to do? Yeah, so interestingly, I'd thought about physician training and then considered um, medical oncology. Um, but what I'd realised after I went to, I actually went to a medical oncology conference in my second year um, with some friends and I'd realised that I really loved being a medical oncology resident on the wards and looking after those patients on the wards. But I didn't really enjoy the clinics, the immunology, the science, um, and that was a substantial part of what being a consultant in that field uh, involved, I suppose. Yeah. And so that sort of made me realise that that might not be what I was looking for. And besides being an emergency consultant at the moment, you hold other roles such as um, being a clinical educator at, the, at Deakin University. Can you talk to yep. us about how you get into those roles and why you've chosen to do them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think some of it's just about, so, so some things are about being in the right place at the right time and just really putting your hand up whenever you hear about opportunities and that then sort of increases your involvement. So uh, I'm a clinical educator with Deakin, as you said, but I'm also very heavily involved with the Australasian College for Emergency Medicine, which is the, 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 um, so it's Australasian um, college that looks after all emergency medicine trainees and also all of the ongoing education of, of emergency consultants in, the, um, in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and so um, I first got involved in, um, in ASIM by hearing that they were looking at writing or rewriting a curriculum for the emergency trainees and they needed some trainee representatives um, yep. And it was going to be a very big project that went over a few years. And so it just came to me in, a, in an email um, update uh, that came from the college. And so I put my hand up and said I was interested. And then by getting involved with that, uh, I then 
got to know people that worked at the college, got to hear about other opportunities uh, and continued to sort of increase my involvement. Uh, and that then continued once I'd completed my studies and become an emergency consultant and I now am, um, through that initial work, quite heavily involved uh, in the workplace assessments that take place um, yep. uh, for all of our emergency trainees. Um, I'm also involved in being on panels that assess those um, and have been involved in subsequent uh, development of some critical care type uh, projects that have been ongoing throughout the college. So it sort of ends up... Um, yeah, it's snowballed, just, hasn't it? It's, it does. It has, has snowballed, absolutely. Uh, and so you just keep being able to hear about more and more interesting things that, that yeah. are taking place and kept um, – and I'm not very good at saying no, um, which is quite exciting for my work, which is which is really interesting. Um, Was and it then, difficult to yeah, get yeah. that first position? Uh, yeah, so – no, not too bad. I um, They just asked for a CV and my experience through Mumus really, really, uh, I, I do really oh, think aided in that yeah. um, because they had seen that I'd been involved in committees before, I'd been involved yeah. in leadership positions before um, and had had some involvement with uh, shaping shaping curriculum as there were some roles as the MUMIS president to be involved in shaping the new curriculum at the time uh, as we were only in the second year of the revised five-year uh, medicine curriculum. Yeah. Uh, and so that experience I think really set me up um, to um, for them to sort of earmark me for, for that position, which was really fantastic. And how did you become an educator for Deakin? Yeah, so I it was a similar sort of snowball type thing where I had um, one of my colleagues was running some tutorials uh, and um, needed some help filling a few gaps, uh, one of my emergency medicine colleagues. And so I offered to come along and um, run a few of those tutorials for him while he was on long service leave, I think. Uh, okay. um, and um, I went and uh, ran a few tutorials uh, on ECGs for the first year medical students, actually, yeah. and then found that quite interesting. And so then through that had heard then that there was room running some um, some other tutorials within the emergency medicine program. And then when I rotated to some other specialties, I spent some time in paediatrics towards the end of my training. Um, they needed some um, tutorials in that program when I was there. So I ran those as well. And, and, um, and so, yes, yeah, so, and so on and so forth, it sort of snowballed a bit as well. Um, and I've now become a little bit involved in assisting with OSCEs for the medical students uh, yeah. during OSCE time. Um, and also, yeah, teaching groups as they come through the emergency department in particular. It really does seem like you were in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I think a combination of being in the right place at the right time and also um, saying yes to opportunities when I didn't perhaps have a really good understanding um, of what it might lead to, but it just sparked my interest at the time. And so put my hand up and gave it a go uh, and people got to know me and and then that also helped me feel my way in terms of what I enjoyed the most. And so things have dropped off along the way as well that that I've tried and then realised aren't quite for me. And, what what um, are one of the, some of those things that you've tried but weren't for you? Yeah, so I got involved in some, um, sub, some other subcommittees um, 
through my work at ASIM. I was involved in the disaster subcommittee for a little while um, and I did a bit of research work with them in my last couple of years of registrar training um, yeah. and then just did it for a couple of years and then thought, oh, this just doesn't really um, – doesn't really drive me uh, and yeah. there's other things that I'm finding more interesting and so I decided to move on from that role and 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 look focus on my other education roles um, so um so yeah so that ended up sort of working out quite well in the end because I was able to sort of give it a go and then and then yeah realized it helped me realize what I really wanted to do more and I think aside from being in the right place at the right time it is your past experience which experiences which allow you to do this do these kinds of things because it is a mm. bit difficult it's like when you're 15 and trying to find your first job and everywhere yeah. wants experience but you need that yes. first job in order to get experience so it can often feel like that even in medicine um but it's good yeah. to see yeah definitely yeah your past experiences have kind of played into this and we'll get into that um, a little bit later make sure to keep in touch with us through social media our handle is at the med collab that's T-H-E-M-E-D-C-O-L-L-A-B on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. Now back to the show. Geelong's not considered that rural. Um, do you mm. consider yourself to be a person who works rural? And how do you see uh, working in a place such as Geelong to be different to working in, for example, Melbourne CBD? Mm, absolutely. So where class now is, a, I suppose, a major regional centre really yeah. um, and that's evolved over the last 20 or 30 years as the region's grown um, to the point that now there's pretty much every specialty offered um, There's and there's the only thing that we were missing for a little while was neurosurgery and that's actually creeping into the region at the moment um, mm -hmm. with the, um, a new private hospital that's been built that's starting to draw some neurosurgeons down. Um but it is quite different still from practising in the city in a few ways. Um, so one is that our hospital still is um, the only uh, public hospital in the region uh, and so we get everything. Uh, we can't go on bypass, although that's recently been abolished in the Melbourne hospitals as well. Um, yep. we, it doesn't matter how busy we are, we have to make it work. Uh, and we see everything. So I see uh, neonates uh, all the way up to 102-year-olds um, and I see burns. We still see significant neurosurgical trauma. Um, we're not a major trauma centre. We're a regional trauma centre. But if someone has a really horrendous trauma within the city limits, it's far quicker to get to us than to try and get a chopper out to Melbourne. So we still get those patients but less commonly and therefore have to be able to hone those skills despite the fact that we don't see it that commonly. Um, and that's contrasting to some trainees and colleagues and friends that I have that work in the city. They're often a lot more subspecialised, which yeah. can be fantastic as an experienced physician if that's a, an area that you really enjoy being your focus. But sometimes I think that our trainees have a bit of an advantage in during their training in that they're able to get a more well-rounded experience. They see more children. They see more women's issues, women's health issues, um, because they're not being siphoned off to those subspecialty hospitals, yes. yeah. um, which makes it so much easier for them when they get to the end of their training. Um, 
So there's so much more experience that you can gain, I guess, from working in a regional or rural kind of area. But I guess there is yep. still the um, concern that junior doctors or medical students have that by, for example, going into a rural area, they're missing out on the opportunities that, uh, that a uh, major tertiary center in the CBD kind of presents and all the contacts and whatnot that you might get, yes. which might help you to get into a particular specialty. What do you have to say yep. about that kind of, I guess, issue? So I think it depends where you want to end up and what you want to do. And, you know, if, if you want to be, if you know very early on that you want to be a burns um, surgeon or you want to be a neurosurgeon, then you really need to look at uh, predominantly basing yourself in those areas because that's where the contacts are for you. Um, if you're not sure what you want to do, I think it's about just getting a bit of um, variety throughout your early years. So whether it be spending some time in a rural or regional centre and also some time uh, in the city so that you can get a real flavour for, for what it is that you really enjoy the most. Uh, one of the real positive af aspects of working in rural and regional centres, and I did some sort of rural placements throughout training, such as in um, in Warrigal uh, was one that I that I certainly remember, there you, you often get uh, far more opportunity to um, get involved, work directly with consultants, there's less people around uh, and so often you're sort of thrown in the deep end a little bit which yeah. hopefully with support can actually be a really, really valuable learning experience because there's just less less people there, there are less students, there are less trainees mm -hmm. Um and um, so certainly things like women's health rotations, people tend to be able to attend far more deliveries um, and be directly involved in women's care more. Uh, and that also goes in, in with the emergency department experience as well because there's just not quite so many of you in the room um, yeah. and you can form those relationships. And you can also see sometimes... Certainly my experience has been that there's stronger social networks at times in the rural and regional centres sort of by order of necessity because people um, when they move to those areas might be moving away from family or friends and so they they tend to really foster that uh, which can make those rotations really really enjoyable yeah great um, before I ask you some questions about uh, emergency medicine we'll talk about your work as uh, the Moomis president mm. so in terms of when you were a medical student what kind of a medical student were you um, I think it, uh, I think it really, really changed over time. So mm -hmm. the, my first couple of years, uh, on campus, I was just trying to find my feet. I'd moved up from, um, Ocean Grove, which is just, uh, down in, um, coastal Victoria. Um, and it was the first time sort of moving away from a big family that, um, that was, you know, a very secure environment, I suppose. So I spent that first couple of years not being hugely involved in, in, in university life and, and life at the medical school initially. Um, and I was just trying to figure out where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and how I, how I wanted to approach the next few years. And um, it was probably from the second half of second year that I started to start to um, get involved in the runnings of, um, of university life and my enjoyment in sort of participating in extracurricular activities started to shine through as I'd sort of uh, always enjoyed doing throughout, throughout high school. I always liked to really keep myself busy. I was always looking for other things to do. 
Um, and so I uh, had started to, um, I'd sort of known about known about Numis. I'd attended some of their functions, and I started mm-hmm. to get to know the people that were the people that were running it, uh, and decided that I might that might be a way to get involved and meet more people specifically within the medical school, uh, and also start to have my say about how I think things should run and and how I think we should support medical students and, and improve that curriculum. So um, those your that main motives? New. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I enjoyed keeping busy um, and I wanted to, I, I found more comfort in meeting people in a more structured environment rather than at sort of huge social functions when yeah. I'd first got up to Melbourne. Uh, and then also just that drive to to make change where change was needed and support existing practice where where I thought it was working well. And so that mm-hmm. that got me involved in trying to participate within Mumis. Did you always want to be the president? No, that and and I was very surprised that that sort of eventuated in the end. I wasn't somebody throughout high school that, you know, I wasn't a school captain or anything like that. Um, yeah. And I didn't sort of see myself in those pivotal roles. I saw myself sort of working in the more supportive roles behind those people. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being a really gradual process. I sort of um, became became the secretary because I liked organising things, mm-hmm. uh, and and then um, took on the treasurer role the following year, and and sort of then stepped up as um, as um, as it sort of I think the role became a little bit more comfortable with me just as I didn't really increase my involvement because I yeah. tended to tended to want to be involved more and more and more and, and that ended up sort of being the natural progression in the end to, to then try try my hand at taking on that leadership role. Did you uh, have much competition to get the presidency role? Do you remember? I don't remember all of that well. I don't... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't remember all of that well. I don't, it was, I don't think it was a... Um, in my year, I don't think there was... Um, a lot of competition for it. I think there sure. were a couple of us that were quite involved and uh, ended up sort of seeking out the roles that we predominantly um, wanted. And because we'd been um, so involved all the way through, the other people that were interested in the role hadn't had that level of involvement all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that um, that was sort of how it, um, I was able to, to then be voted in. So you've kind of touched on this already, but what benefits did being president have for you after you've left university? Um, so just the the confidence to know that um, the confidence to know that I could uh, work with committees and um, and help to enact change. Um, the it it helped me develop a stronger tie with my university since I've graduated. That I was then. Uh, really interested in sort of maintaining that involvement as much as I could. Geographically, it's become a little bit difficult now and that's why I have a bit more of an involvement with Deakin um, just because they're they're close by for me. Um, And it just helped me, um, it just helped encourage me to uh, show that I could, yeah, that I could sort of work to look at changing things and, and, then the curriculum aspect of it really, really helped when I became really interested in that with with the emergency college in terms of working with their curriculum because that aspect of education I'd been quite involved with, um, yeah. and so and so that sort of fed quite nicely into into my work with ASIM um, most recently. 
And in terms of uh, being a good doctor, I guess, what skills mm. are to, uh, to be gained from extensive extracurricular work? So I think it really helps you learn how to become efficient and become organised. And I know mm-hmm. myself, I'm the most efficient when I'm uh, quite busy. Yeah. Uh, and so if I don't, if I don't have too much to do, uh, I end up becoming quite inefficient and I procrastinate yes. and nothing yes. gets done. Yes. Whereas and if all I too can... familiar feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if I can, um, if I can overcommit myself to an optimal level uh, and it's taken a while to get that balance right, then I find that I'm, I'm far more efficient in managing my time, I get more done uh, and I get more satisfaction from that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that um, so that really, that side of it, but, you know, having lots of extracurricular activities really helped that. It also just helped me with a sense of organisation and, and being organised. I had some sporting commitments sort of right throughout high school and right throughout university that other mm-hmm. people had let drop off over yep. time because it seemed too tricky. Um, and for me, 